Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow With Muin podcast. I am your host, Muin Zafar, and today I have with me a very special guest, Alexander Michael Kittens. Now, Alexander is an acclaimed strategist who has provided billions of dollars worth of solutions to over 400 businesses worldwide. He is a TEDx speaker who has delivered inspirational speeches to thousands of people in the USA, Canada, and across Europe. He has received several awards for leadership and community dedication, including an exclusive citizenship award from the federal government of Canada. Alexander, welcome to the show. Hey, Moin, thanks for having What an introduction, huh? I was wondering who you were talking about for a second, but thanks for the awesome introduction. Such a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, you're welcome. It's, uh, it's an honor and privilege to be in this space with you as well. Wonderful. All right, so uh, let's dive straight into it. Definitely. Yeah, so from where you are right now, Alexander, uh, let's go back. I, I actually can't say how long, but let's go back five to ten years from now. I want to talk about the sort of space you were in at that time. Like if there was a turning point that actually pushed you in the direction that you are in now. Yes. Yeah. What was that difficult situation? What was happening around you? What were the challenges and who actually supported you or what tools that you used to get you where you are right now? To get you. Um, Oin, that's a great question. I'm going to go back a little further than 10 years because I want to make sure that you get the depths of the failure and you make sure that I have a chance to uh, sort of unpack the, the turning point, as you yes, call please. it. That's wonderful. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. Thank you for all the likes, the subscriptions, the comments. I really do appreciate it. For those of you who want to take it a step further, I am developing a more intimate community on Patreon. Now, Patreon.com is a page where you can support some of your shows financially and get amazing perks in return. For example, if you come on to patreon.com forward slash grow with Moin and support my show, you can get access to some bonus content, some behind the scenes content. You can be part of discussions and polls on what topics to bring on future episodes, what guests to bring on future episodes, and even have the opportunity to be on the show yourself. So once again, if you're interested in this, head on over to patreon.com forward slash grow with Moin. 15, 20 years ago, I was facing multiple counts of scary legal procedures. Mm. It wasn't an accident. It was all my fault. You see, when I went into college, I didn't have very much money. And rather than ask for help, rather than be honest with my family about my situation, I tried to make money any way I could. And worse than that, I compromised my values. So even though things worked out for a little while, before long, I was in a scary financial, scary legal procedure, and I owed a ton of money, and I was there at the bottom. And I kind of had to ask myself, okay, 
what kind of man do I want to be? That was sort of the place I was at because I knew that with what I was facing because of my own stupidity and because of my own sort of nearsightedness, I knew that it wouldn't be a quick fix. So I had to have a moment with myself, an honest moment at the bottom when I said, what am I gonna base my life on? Because chasing money, chasing success, chasing validation from other people, it wasn't working. And so that's where I was 15 years ago, is just maybe 17 years ago. What am I gonna do with my life? I've screwed everything up. What do I wanna base my life on? So that's sort of the, the starting point there. Now, the good news is, is that I had already gone to school. I had my education, but I was a super shy kid. Moin, I always felt like I was in the wrong place. I always felt like the things that I was interested in, no one was. I wasn't very confident. I certainly wasn't a good speaker. I couldn't speak up. Uh, it might be a little difficult to imagine now because I, I speak rather regularly in front of crowds, but I was so shy. I could have never even done a podcast like this one. But I made two decisions. And, and, and I don't know if there was any one turning point, but these are the two decisions that I made knowing that really uh, turned things around for me. Number one, I said, I will never again make decisions that are outside of my highest values. I'm not gonna cut corners. Even if it means I lose clients, I lose opportunities, I learned the hard way through my own stupidity that there is no success no lasting success outside of your highest values. So I said, I'm gonna make sure that the things that I do, that I'm okay with them in my spirit and my soul and the energy is going in the right way. And the second thing that I decided was, if I could screw up my life so much, hmm. trying to get money and trying to matter and trying to be important, well, maybe I could make things go right if I invested in myself and I invested in the right things and I worked really, really hard. So I said, number one, never gonna make decisions outside of my highest values. And number two, I'm gonna become the best business mind I can be. I'm gonna become the best son, the best brother, the best human being I could be, and try and define success, not just by money and power, but maybe by legacy and impact and how much of a difference I can make in a positive way. So how's that for an opening? We, we kind of set the stage here, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's a powerful answer. Thank you oh, for there sharing. We go. There we go. Can I tell people that Moin said I'm powerful? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, here we go. Okay. okay. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. So you, you're talking about, uh, you know, not going outside of your own values. So what's the process that you went through to clarify to yourself and then to the world outside what your values exactly are? Oh, wonderful. And how did that's you clarify that? Yeah. That's such a great question. So how do you know? what your values are because if you're going to live inside of them then you better make sure you know what they are huh mm -hmm. well i'll tell you i used to think let's go back to what i used to think mm -hmm. i used to think that my purpose was out there somewhere right it's it's it was romantic i have to go find my purpose it's out there somewhere mm -hmm. so i was searching i was lost i was confused but i was hopeful that i could find my purpose. The second thing I used to think is, is that it's hidden. It's not there right in front of me. I'm going to have to overturn some rocks. I'm going to have to open some doors and climb some mountains. I felt like it was so far away and it was hidden. The other thing I thought, Moyen, is, is that my success, my purpose, my values 
we're at the end of a set of steps. That step one would be something, it would lead to another step. And then at the end of this course or this labyrinth, I would find my values. But you know what I realized? Values are not found. Values are not listed. Your values are lived. It's not in about putting a list of the things that are important to me and do them. Goal setting is great. I suggest you do it. But every moment you're in, you have the opportunity to ask yourself, if this moment was the only thing that my entire existence was based on, am I okay with this moment representing everything I am? Let me give you an example. So let's say, Moin, that I have a fight with my sister. Mm. I have two sisters. Let's say I have a fight with my older <laughs> sister. I can't remember the last time I had a fight with my sisters or sweethearts, but it definitely happened growing up, right? Okay. So here I am on my search for values. What are my values? How do I live them? But I'm, I had a fight with my sister. And it's not even that we were arguing. It's just that I had one way of looking at an issue. She had another way of looking at an issue. And then what ended up happening was I got so passionate about what I was saying that I didn't realize that she had gone quiet on the other end of the phone, that she was no longer responding. I didn't realize that my energy towards being right made her feel as if she wasn't being heard and respected. Does that sound like something that, well, don't say you can relate with it, but can you see the picture I'm painting, right? Yep, yep. Okay, okay. So I, got, I went too far with it. Now what happens is I'm in a moment when I realize, oh my gosh, I have allowed my passion and my, my uh, zeal to make someone I care about feel like less than who they are. Mm. So Moin, this is the moment that I'm in right now where I have to decide what my values are. Am I going to not say anything to my sister? Am I gonna let time go by and then it just kind of dissipate or go away? Or am I going to take the moment that I'm in, now that I realize I messed up, to recalibrate with my values, to do things that I believe are right? So I can call my sister and I can say something like, sister, I love you and I want to apologize for the way that I spoke to you. I still think I'm right. I still think I did everything I was supposed to do. I think that I know better in this situation. But there's a bigger thing that went wrong. I allowed me thinking I'm right to make you feel less, to make you feel disrespected. And that's not okay with me. So I want you to forgive me. We can pick up this conversation another time, but it's way more important to me that you know that I respect you than it is for me to be right. Mm. Boy, this situation seems like a simple one, but it illustrates a larger thing that I learned about values. Like we said, values are not listed. Values are lived. And it's in those moment by moment. Right now I'm with Moyen, we're having this great interview. This is the moment I'm in. Am I okay with this moment representing everything I am in legacy? Am I giving my all? And if I'm not, do I immediately go back and apologize or try to make it better? But I don't need to worry about getting the big things right. Living a life of value isn't about that one day when you have to get on that mountaintop and declare your values. It's the cumulative effect of each and every moment. Think of the moments as scenes of your life. Every scene I'm in, big moments, small moments, when you're alone, when you're at work, when you're with friends, when you're researching, when you're, you're hanging out, are you aligning all of your moments with what you believe to be right? And then the cumulative effect of that is living a life of value. So get the moments right and, don't, and the values will reveal themselves to you. Sound good? 
Yeah, sounds great. That's actually a very beautiful message. And I know you said, uh, don't say. I was beautiful. Can I tell people that you said I was beautiful? 100%. Okay, I'm, I'm making a list, okay? So. <laughs> Powerful, beautiful, there's still more coming. <laughs> Powerful and beautiful. Let's stop here on my head. <laughs> okay, what you were saying, sorry. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so uh, I actually resonate a lot with the story you shared with the fight about your sister because I too have an older sister. Oh, okay. And- and we and you, she's a sweetheart, and we two get into fights, yeah. and and I, I love that you gave the example of family for uh, recognizing where your values are, because oftentimes our families present the best challenges for us in those conversations. I certainly find that within myself, and with uh, when I'm talking to my family and describing to them my my values and what what my opinions are, which I believe to be right. And even though sometimes I do get carried away with that, and you're absolutely right, the next day or whenever the feeling comes that, oh, I went a little too far, maybe I should call back and apologize and say you still love them and we can talk about this another time. So yeah, We're on the same page then, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I really want to thank you for sharing that story because that certainly stirred something up within me. Good, good. And, And here's the thing. I, I talk to students all the time, and uh, two weeks from now, I'll be opening with a keynote address at the Young Entrepreneurs Conference here, and, and that seems like a big moment, right? Mm-hmm. You've got hundreds of, of business students in front of you. They're going to be doing case competitions, and you're setting the tone for the whole day. But people come up to you, and they ask you, how did you know that you could be on this stage? How did you get a TED Talk? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, Moin, the TED Talk that I was asked to speak at was because the gentleman who is the head of that TEDx branch, when he was a student, he asked me for a little bit of my time to review a business idea he had. I didn't even know, or I should say, I didn't even remember that I had spoken to him before. We went through the whole process of signing up, agreeing to be a speaker. I prepared my speech. And when I got off stage, he came up to me, Moin, and he said, do you remember I messaged you years ago, five, six years ago. I was a university student and I asked for 15 minutes of your time. He's like, and you said you wouldn't give me 15 minutes of your time, but you would give me 30 minutes of your time. He's like, I remember how much that meant to me. And Moin, I'm thinking, I don't even remember that. I'm old. My memory's failing. (laughs) But it meant so much to him that when he was in a position to promote me or to do, he didn't forget. And so here's everyone trying to get on stage or trying to let people listen to them. But do you see that tiny moment that I got right way back then led to a TED Talk opportunity. The speech that I am giving uh, in two weeks from now, the organizer, wonderful young lady, uh, I think she's either from the Middle East or from Asia, but she said, I can't wait to hear you speak because you are the one who influenced me to be in leadership in this organization to begin with. I didn't know that when I spoke at U of of T that she was one of the students I spoke to years ago, but now I have this opportunity. So I'm not saying that you need to get the small moments right in some religious way. I'm talking science. Your life is a collection of moments. Your life is not about where you end up at the end. It's all about the issues that you deal with, the challenges and what leads you there. If you can get the moments right, that it will lead to wonderful outcomes because it's not about getting big things right. 
It's the cumulative effect of all of your choices purposed for legacy. So I'm not saying this in some storybook religious way. I'm saying literally my career is based on deciding to get moments right and to treat people as important, whether they can do something for me or not, and promoting my values even when it's hard. So I, you can't get me to stop living this way. It's working, it's working too well for me. That's how we connected, is, is by me living my values and you seeing that we're like-minded. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. Mm, that's perfect. I was just about to say that, 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 the, that you're actually, you actually live the, the moments to the fullest, like you, like you say, you are like you're being your best self in every single moment, yeah. and yeah. that's how this is happening. That's how we connected. I just, I'm just some person you didn't even know who just slid into your DMs or Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so sliding into DMs is a good thing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about. So you said that you sort of figured you lived your values and that's how you sort of came across them and discovered them. Yeah. And you talk a lot about introspective work, asking yourself these deep questions that clarify your path for you. Absolutely. So, so my question to you is, is there a support system that you have had throughout the years that helped you stay anchored to, mm. to, to your path? Is it, is it meditation? Is it going to the gym? Like what is your anchor that keeps you? Oh, going? wonderful question. Wonderful question. When I used to commute a lot back and forth an hour each way to work, I used to listen to Audible for self-development books and even guided meditations. Now, Audible is an Amazon company and is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. They have thousands of titles for you to choose from and they range from podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedies. You even have access to daily news digests such as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and even the Washington Post. So if you're interested in this, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash growwithmoin to sign up for a 30-day free trial service where you even get to download and keep one title for free even if you decide to cancel after the 30-day free trial period. Now, I do have an affiliate relationship with Audible, which means I get a financial kickback if you join Audible through my affiliate link and make use of this exclusive offer. So once again, if you're interested in this, head on over to audibletrial.com forward slash growwithmoin. And this offer is only available to my listeners in the United States. People want to believe that they're logical, right? Mm -hmm. They want to believe that they do things that make sense. When I messed up my life, I realized two things. First of all, I am a social, emotional being. Mm -hmm. Humans, we are social, emotional beings. And the quality of my relationships turned out to be the thing that saved me. I had a friend, she's my best friend. We've been friends for 18 years and she lived across the street from me. And when I went through my issues, I owed so much money, Moyne, I didn't even, I was buried, seven figures I owed. I was buried under debt, I was scared. Wow. And she came to me and she said, I know you, I've seen the way you operate. I know how your family operates. She's like, and I want to help you get out of this situation. Moin, I didn't know she had even a cent to give me. I didn't know. I just remember that I, she came from a family that didn't really support her academic uh, goals. They were a little bit old school and they said, you know, women should 
you know, get married and have kids and it doesn't matter if they go to school. And about two years before that, I remember I was showing her her office and just hanging out, we were friends, and she was asking really smart questions. So I said, hey, what school did you go to? And she said, well, I finished a college diploma, but I never went to university. And I said to her, look, to be friends with me, and Moin, you see, you see how arrogant I was back then. To be friends with me, you need to meet your potential. You don't need to exceed it, but you need to meet it. And so I kept pressuring her to go to university. And it got to the point where I said, if you don't register this semester, we're not friends. And so she said, fine, I'll register. And when she registered for school, she used to study at my house. I helped her, she was in accounting, I was in finance, and I helped her, I was doing my MBA, she was doing her undergrad. And at the end of the day, she graduated and she became a successful accountant. She still works with our company today. It's the only job she has, we're business partners. But I don't know why I pushed her to go to school. I just felt like no one's supporting her. No one sees how intelligent and how gifted she is. And we're not dating, we're just friends. She's my neighbor, but I just pushed, I just pushed and supported her. Now, I didn't know I would ever need help. I didn't know that I would ever be down and out, but the moment at which I fell and I messed up my own life, all of my friends were there for me. All of my friends had stories about when they sat in my driveway and we talked about the issues they were having because they wanted to be a poet and their parent wanted them to be a doctor, the age-old immigrant story. So they told me these stories about how I had supported them in ways I didn't know. So yes, I messed up in business. Yes, I compromised my values. I certainly made dumb decisions, I still do. But the one thing that saved me was the quality of my relationships. I really cherish good friendships and the people who have sacrificed for me and I've sacrificed for them, Moine, those are the only voices I listen to. They're the only people that I listen to because at the end of the day, they have sacrificed and shown an interest in me. But yeah, I want people to like me, Moine, I hope they like me. But more than that, I hope that people respect me because I'm not looking for love in all the wrong places. I want to live a life of value. But the people who are in my life that have shown me that sort of care, that have sacrificed for me, oh my goodness. Those were the anchors that brought me through those tough times. So keep good people close. Invest in good relationships. Sacrifice for good relationships. And realize people are in your life for a reason a season, a lesson, or a lifetime. But everyone is gonna disappoint you at some time. It's just the way the world works. But you have to decide who is worth it, who do you wanna keep around? And the quality of your relationships will be the quality and the depth and the happiness of your life. So absolutely, I chose the right people, I got lucky. I had people who helped me out at the right time and, uh, and I'm so glad now. So that same business partner, now she's mm -hmm. married to a great guy, and her daughter is my goddaughter. And I was playing with her earlier today, and she's the joy of my life based on an 18-year relationship with, with her mom. Isn't that awesome, Moy? Yeah, that's beautiful. It is beautiful. You already said beautiful. Can I get a new word? Powerful, beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you caught me off guard. I'm at a, at a loss for words. I started thinking about my two-year-old daughter. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And my goddaughter is two, so... It's like literally, she's such a handful, but I could not love her more. Oh yeah, um, I, I can totally relate to that. Actually, my daughter, she's, she's, she's in the house right now. She's with her, with her, with her uncle, 
but she oh. might get curious as to where that is and might knock on the door. <laughs> we could have a special, special, special guest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with the point of having a strong support system, quality relationships around you, because I've certainly went through some some dark moments in my life. In, in hindsight, they may not seem like dark moments. But so for me, I personally, I come from uh, I come from Pakistan. I was born in China mm. and I came here to Canada when I was 18 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Pakistan is a conservative Muslim country, and uh, that was my identity at the time. And uh, so I got here. I was in university. I had a girlfriend, and she got pregnant. Oh, okay, yep, yep. And so I had. I I was. That was probably one of the scariest moments of my life. Sure, I could imagine. Yeah. And not solely because I was becoming a father, but because of what my parents would think, or my sure. family would think. Absolutely. And, and and it's like what I said earlier. Like so sometimes families present the most powerful challenges, right? Mm. So I had to. I actually isolated myself for about a month or two months. And when eventually my my friends, who I, who I came to recognize as good quality friends, they started to come forward and ask me what was going on. Okay. It was only then when I stepped out of my shell, started talking about it, and mm. eventually gathered up the courage to face my parents, to face all the drama that came with it, and. Mm. Now I have a beautiful two and a half year old daughter who inspired me to write a book about my experience with her. Isn't that oh, wonderful? Goodness. That's beautiful. You're, you know what, Moen? That's beautiful and powerful. I think we're tied. I, think, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was in the lead, but that story is beautiful and powerful. What a wonderful story. Thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, you're welcome. And, and there's still time to go. So I think uh, the, the competition is running. <laughs> right. We, we still, we still uh, I have a chance to pull ahead here. But after that story, you know what? I would be happy coming in second place to such a gentleman as you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It means yeah. a lot. So there's one other thing that, I, that really stood out to me when I was going through your website. Okay, sure. And uh, over there, it said that as a young man, Alexander traveled worldwide as an award-winning pianist. Oh, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. So let's talk about that. How did that journey start? And did it end? Has it ended? And why did it end? Oh, my goodness. Well, let me let you in on a secret that not many people know. Okay. So on my social media accounts, sometimes you'll see I post quotes from mm -hmm. different essays that I've written. And we have me reading the quote. It's from the audio edition of that. That music in the background, that classical music score, I composed that what? in the background. So it's, I put my name, at first I didn't put my name on it, but recently I have admitted that I am the composer. But no, when I was about three years old, my parents were very involved in the church. And they have these, in the Christian church, we're Pentecostals. And they have these wonderful Christmas plays that they put on. The church we were at had about 2,000 members, and it would feature even a live animal and all of that, and music and acting and that sort of thing. So my parents had bought me one of those toy kind of pianos as you kind of get your kids musical instruments. And it only maybe had one octave on it, 12 keys. And I believe it was in the shape of a hippopotamus. Nothing sophisticated. But one of the... One of the ministers from the church, the music minister was at our house and I was playing around on this toy piano and he recognized the song that I was playing from that play, from that performance that we had at the church a few weeks back. 
And he couldn't believe that a three-year-old kid was able to play by ear without any music, without any training, music that I had heard three weeks earlier. Now, Moen, to everyone else, it didn't sound like anything other than banging on a, you know, a keyboard. But to the trained ear of this music professional, he could tell what I was playing. And he said to my parents, get that kid in music right away. And what do you think my parents did? <laughs> they waited five years. <laughs> <laughs> Immigrant families, right? We were just trying to put food on the table. We didn't have time or energy for piano lessons. Yeah. But my dad actually, his, my grandmother was a piano teacher. So my dad gave me lessons for about six months and then he turned me over to a proper piano teacher. And, uh, and I was afraid of my piano teacher. I thought she hated me. I came to find out years later that she had identified me as a prodigy in music and was being hard on me because she knew how far I could go. So I composed some music for when I was 10 years old and I, I performed that at a recital. I got my first standing ovation. And after that, the opportunities just grew for me to be able to perform. I toured all over the States for months. I went to Austria, Slovakia, Germany, Czech Republic, uh, and I had an opportunity to connect with kids and people over there. But I was being prepared, Moin, to go to uh, University of Toronto for classical music. Mm. And something inside of me just never really connected with that. I love music. It's my number one infatuation. To this day, I love music with my whole heart, all kinds of music. But I never loved performing. And I was too young. I was too immature to be able to understand the difference between my love for music and not loving performing because I was happy just to play piano by myself. I was happy just to listen to the radio. The most uncomfortable part was going up on stage and performing for others. So I disappointed everyone in my family and I ended up going to school for business and I went to the furthest university away I could find and I went for business. But the love of music never went away. So as I began to pick my life up from the failure that I did later in my university years, I decided, you know what, I need to share these lessons with other people. But I was a horrible speaker and I still hated performance. So I worked very, very hard. I worked hard at being able to get ideas out, being able to connect ideas. I worked hard at written presentations. But Moin, this is where it gets beautiful. And we got to come up, let's use wonderful, right? Because I'm trying to beat you in the score here. This is where it gets <laughs> wonderful, is, is that immediately once I began sharing my journey with other people, my love of music came flooding back. And so when you hear our team and Christopher St. Clair is here with me today and Mustafa Sheik is with me here today, just wonderful professionals that are with me on this journey. When you see we put out videos with music in it and, and we have it more thematic and cinematic, that's not, we're not just doing that because we feel like doing it. That is the essence of who we are as artists. So it's because now that I have something to say of substance that now I don't mind performing. Now I look forward to performing. I just, I, it was entertaining. I didn't want to be an entertainer, but I wanted to share lessons of greatness with people. And now we can bring back the entertainment value. So what a wonderful full circle. What a wonderful revolution to bring my love of music back, but now have it supporting a message about greatness and purpose and legacy and values. But I thought, I thought I was done with music. And now I get to uh, choose music, compose music, and add music to everything I do. Wow. Alexander, that is a magical story. Magical! <laughs> My goodness. We got to talk more often. 
Man, I, I was having an okay day and all of a sudden I'm powerful, magical, and beautiful. <laughs> now you're enchanting people with your, with your magical music okay, spells. I'm done. Enchanting, I gotta, I gotta quit while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> wow, at three years old, you started to play the piano. That, I mean, I have no other word except for magical. And now that it's come back to you in such a beautiful way. Sure, sure. Incredible, sure. incredible. And when I wanna say something though, is, yes. is that there's nothing exceptional about being identified as a musical prodigy that young. Mm. If you are a musical prodigy, that's when it's gonna show up. So it's not as if I was, you know, ahead of anybody else. It's just that someone who was trained could tell that I had those skills. But just like any aptitude, just like any potential, it had, I had to have parents that sat me down and made me practice and gave me good teachers. So basically I had the seeds of, of, of musical excellence there. But shout out to all those teachers that put up with me. I was, I'd never practice. I was the worst. I was an incorrigible kid. But a lot of, uh, a lot of discipline and, and, and a lot of uh, patience. And I turned into a pretty good musician. Wow. And I do, I do want to, there's, there's an important lesson in the story here. And that's the distinction uh, that you made uh, when you said that you, even though you loved playing the piano and you loved creating music, you soon realize, and, and that goes back to, I think this is a habit that you have of, of introspecting and asking yourself questions, that you didn't actually enjoy performing music no. in front of a crowd. No, no. And, and, and I don't have any phobias that I know, mm -hmm. but even when people would stand behind me when I was playing the piano, I would feel crowded and I'd feel uncomfortable. And when my parents would have people over to our house, even family members, they would say, hey, play for auntie so-and-so, play for uncle. And I hated it. Oh my God. I it. And as an adult, I feel bad for my parents because I did it so begrudgingly. But I just, and I mean, if I feel like if we want to unpack this further, I feel like I just was a kid who had so much passion and so much to say, but I didn't know what it was or how to say it. And I feel like every black person I saw on television was either an entertainer, a musician, or an athlete. And I feel like even at that young age, I just didn't want to be a stereotype. But you can imagine, I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the intellect. I couldn't communicate that. But once I found myself through failure and doing some emotional work and through purposing my moments for greatness, that love of music and art is such a part of me. I'm not afraid to be known as a musician, even though that'll never happen. I'm too <laughs> rusty. But it was sort of because I didn't find myself, I was rejecting stereotypes, which weren't even bad. I just felt as if I was always in the wrong place. So it's sort of just those layers of finding your path. It took me so much longer. And I guess if there's something we're saying to our listeners who are, are in their 20s or 30s or in their 40s or more, and they feel like they've always been on their left foot. They feel like they're a square peg and everything around them are round holes. Is, is that finding your path has no time limit. It has no expiration date. I heard the saying I was sharing with the team the other day, try not to stop living until you're dead, right? Mm. Every moment is an opportunity to turn things around and to purpose your actions for greatness. So it took me a long time, a lot of failure before I found my path but it's committing to the process of greatness that is more important than achieving outward definitions of success. Mm. Thank you for sharing that story. 
Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for asking. I don't think I've ever said that in an interview before. So I, I think you're, you're, uh, you're getting things out of me that no one has. So that's the mark of a great interviewer. That's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Well, I only started this uh, not too long ago this year. <laughs> okay, well, then you're a natural, right? So you have to run, not walk. This is clearly something that uh, you have the aptitude for. Oh, thank you for saying that. I'll, um, I'm definitely uh, considering taking some big steps. Wonderful. But Wonderful. thank you. Yeah, well, I'll definitely follow your journey as well. But you have my highest hopes for your continued success. That's for sure. Thank you. That means a lot to me. Wonderful. All right, so uh, I'm going to ask you two more questions, I think, because we are about, yeah. yeah. All right, so so one is, uh, I'm, I'm probably sure you've heard this question before, but this is for someone who's, uh, uh, like you mentioned, in their 20s or 30s, who, who've, who've taken a path that requires courage, which is, you know, following a passion, something that you love to do, and you want to make a career out of it. And they're at this crossroad where they're facing a challenge, whether it be family or whether it be uh, their own personal fears of, you know, putting themselves out there. People who are in, in that moment, who are, who are maybe tr thinking about giving up and, you know, going back to the conventional nine to five or wh whatever it is, what, do you, what can you tell them at that point in their life to motivate them to keep pushing and keep going forward? Absolutely. Well, it's such a great question, right? Because I'm very aware that at any given moment, there are millions of, literally millions of people who are at a turning point in their lives. And I find it such a blessing that the right word at the right time could be the catalyst for so many beautiful things. So this is an opportunity that to me is not just a good opportunity. I see this as a sacred opportunity. It's the opportunity to debunk the myth that there is a right way or a wrong way to do things. Let me be very clear about this. If you know that there is something in your heart that is positive and it adds joy or levity or light or impact or help for humanity, my only question is, what will you allow to get in your way? Will you allow other people's expectations of you? Will you allow what your parents say to get in the way? And even if you fail, you are still in the right direction because when you fail doing something that your heart beats for, it actually paves your road to greatness. All you gotta do is get back up. But the road to greatness is not a road of passion or feeling good or highs, it's a road of sacrifice and commitment. So rather than ask, what do I need to do to move forward? Ask this question, what am I allowing to stop me from making a unique impact on humanity in a way that only I can? And whatever you're allowing to stop you, that barrier is one that is up to you to remove. It could be other people's expectations. It could be your own shortcomings. It could be doubt. It could be your geography. But when you allow external factors to hinder what you know is boiling over inside, then you are telling the universe through your actions that you are not ready, you are not purpose for greatness. But when you realize that it's going to be sacrifice, it's going to hurt, rather than asking how good does this feeling feel, you're going to ask yourself, how much sacrifice am I willing to go through for the things that mean the most to me? Moen, that's where I live. That's my address. That is where I operate every day. How much am I willing to sacrifice for the things that mean the most to me? 
and the cumulative effect of moments given up and purpose and constructed for legacy is the only life that I want. So rather than say, what do other people think? What are you willing to put up with to make an impact that only you can? That's a better question. Wow. I literally have goosebumps. What are you, <laughs> what are you allowing to get in your way? That's, sure. that's powerful. I think that, that gives the power right back to you, whoever you are. And instead of focusing on the circumstances or instead of focusing on victimizing yourself, you're giving with that question, the power is within you. That's great, man. This is the perfect word because people, and let's be clear, there are people who have been held down, let down, put down by people who were supposed to love them and care about them. Not everyone had a great start in life. Not everyone had a great childhood in life. Not everyone had awesome opportunities. But if I'm the first person to say this, then hear it from me. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's your problem, but it's not your fault. But when you let that narrative of other people's failures drive your own actions, then you are submitting to forces that, that are there to stop you from manifesting your unique expression of excellence. Don't let someone else's mess up. Get the help you need. Get the counseling you need. Do the emotional work. Fix a problem that you didn't create, but don't let anything stop you from making an impact that only you can. It's so important because we need the cumulative effect of different people with different passions and different outlooks on life. I'm just one individual with one way of looking. I'm good at leading leaders, but we need people to be there for people who are destitute and homeless and people who have learning disabilities and people who want to express themselves and people who have speech impediments. We need us all to be the maximum expression of our greatness. So don't let other people's mess up mess you up. Don't allow, because the only difference between being a victim and a victor is saying that, you know what, this situation happened to me, but I am not going to allow it to dictate the way I live my life. Take your power back. It's not your fault. But when you let that drive your actions, it becomes your problem. And what do we do with problems, Moen? We solve them. We work on them. We don't give up on them. Don't give up on yourself. Your purpose for greatness. Put the energy in. Put the time in. You know, I believe in you. I believe in the process. But don't give up on yourself. That's your fault if you do that. Mm. Thank you for sharing such wisdom here. Wow, I'm sure. The pleasure is mine. The pleasure is mine. I appreciate you. You're such a gracious host. The pleasure is mine. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure someone, anyone, even if it's just one person, they're going to be moved by your voice into into triggering some sort of growth-oriented behavior within themselves. And I hope so. I hope so. That is impact right there. I hope so. Because it's not enough. I, I mean, I tried it. I tried to make money and be happy. And, and to business people out there, make your money. Get it all. Be successful. But when you define success solely by your bank account, you're missing out on so much that life has to offer. Make impact and purpose and wealth. Don't, don't make money and, and lose yourself. Don't chase shallow things. Get it all. Get the wealth and the purpose and the relationships and the impact. But anyone who's just chasing money, it's ambitious, but there, there's, there's more. There's a higher profit. There, there's more than that. And, and if you do things correctly, you can get more of everything. That's, that's how we look. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast. Wonderful. All Wonderful. right.
yeah so um yeah we're about to reach or we're almost at the end of okay. our time together so before we go is there do you want to share where people can find you and uh, how they can connect with you and uh, you get in touch yeah yeah absolutely well thanks for the opportunity so i am available you can find me alexander michael gittens and i'm sure that we'll have some links uh, posted there but if you like the ideas that i've done here because i'm not a coach so i don't do one-on-one -on -one sessions with anyone i'm a strategist but also a thought leader but i have taken the time to write essays that reflect exactly the way I live my life and the things that I've learned. Each essay took me over a year to write and they're so beautifully written. They're, they're poetic and beautiful. They have learning and I'm so proud of them there. But just Google me, you can find me. And then on social media, if you're curious about what I look like or how I live my life, then you can find me on Instagram or YouTube or LinkedIn. LinkedIn, if you're curious about my career and my educational background. But if you just type in Alexander Michael Gittins on your favorite social media platform or type it into Google, you'll find my website. From there, you can link to everything. Awesome. Thank you so much, Alexander, for being on the show with me. It has been a wonderful time for me. and I hope it's been the same for you. Absolutely. The pleasure was all mine. Godspeed, brother. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment. If you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moon podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.